Hello, this is Rebecca Radio and Maggie Bacello, and this is Does It Get the Pass, a podcast where we arbitrarily decide whether rom-coms get the pass. We'll get into what our movie for this week is if you haven't already seen the title, but this is our first episode back. Um, This is the season two premiere happening in the midst of spooky season. This was not intentional. We fully intended to be back in August and then Maggie had medical issues. (laughs) And then Rebecca started teaching full time. So two neurologists and half a semester later. (laughs) (laughs) And now we're here. We're back. We're going to be better than ever, actually, um, because we are going to be a little bit more gentle on ourselves this season and probably going forward. We are going to go down to just two episodes a month um, just to make things easier on all of us, you know, give us more time, you know, all that good stuff. But do you have anything to add before we head into our episode for today? I don't. I'm very excited to be back. I am very apologetic that it took this long to be back. But yeah, we will be on a slightly lighter schedule, uh, mostly so that I can not have to stare at my laptop screen 12 hours mm-hmm. a day all the time anymore. <laughs> yeah, I, I basically chronically live online anyway. So it's like, you know, hope, making sure that I don't like, you know, permanently move in online and like you know all that stuff I yeah teaching is really hard and then like accidentally like letting slip to your students that you have a podcast is like arguably one of God's cruelest punishments um (laughs) they they thought it was so funny they kind of roasted me just a little bit so um shout out to a bunch of 18 year olds so I'm not surprised I do yeah our first episode back um is going to be on the 2014 film as Above, So Below, directed by John Eric Dowdle. And so, Maggie, if you would read the letterbox description for us. For one thing, I love the tagline on this movie because it's the only way out is down. But our per letterbox description says, when a team of explorers venture into the catacombs that lie beneath the streets of Paris, they uncover dark the dark secret that lies within this city of the dead, which doesn't sound like a rom-com, because it isn't we are actually this is our first secret rom-com of the show which makes it exciting for the season two premiere this is technically a horror film starring Perdita Weeks as Scarlett and Ben Feldman as George amongst other things and we have a guest for this week that loves this movie quite a lot yes so um our second ever guest um on does it get the past is longtime friend and fan of the pod Allison Lewis um, the two of us met under pretty much the most harrowing circumstances you can imagine, uh, the vortex that is Star Wars Twitter. Um, in addition to listening to all of my late night pseudo academic rambles about basically everything from Doctor Strange to the vampire, Allison refers to themselves as, quote, the world's foremost aromantic romantic scholar, end quote, given how many rom-coms they've watched in their lifetime. And when I asked them what else to add in this intro, they said they were only here for, quote, two things, watch horror movies and make them sexy. So without further ado, welcome, Allison. Hello. It's weird responding to you guys because I'm so used to just listening to the podcast and wanting to say things, but realizing you recorded way before I watched it. So here we are. You still text me anyway. Like I do, but now I can, I'll have to remember to say it out loud this time. <laughs> You're going to get a text in the middle of this, like, wow, that was crazy what you guys said. 
Well, I, I will say you less. guys, you guys like this movie or not like this movie, but you guys are a lot more into this movie than I, I am. I have arrived at this podcast recording with nothing but vibes. And I know at least one of you has a list of notes for us. So maybe both. you guys will I, be carrying this conversation. A little bit of <laughs> it's um, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a great time. I already know. Um, This was, so for some context, this was the first horror movie I ever watched um, I saw it in theaters when I was the ripe age of um, 14, which is uh, too oh young to have seen this movie. Um, it was not the first rated R movie I watched, but it was the first horror movie I watched. Um, and I remember my dad bought my friend Elena and I the tickets and snuck us in because we were children and obviously couldn't go see it by ourselves. Um, and that was definitely like one of the highlights of you know my year getting to see like a rated r movie in theaters and everything but um i rem- i distinctly remember the movie being over and being like i have to read fan fiction about these two and there's so only 14 left there's only 14 fan fiction. only two on that tag man so like i yeah so when i say that i've been thinking about this movie as like a romance for a long time i have been um but the reason why we include it as above, so below on the list of like possible films at all is because probably about a year and a half ago, I saw a post Allison's talking about how this was a romance. So for our first question, like, let's, let's hear that. Let's, let's hear that, Allison. Wait, is this my, my 50-50 tweet? Um, I think it's like, a relationship is 50 50 it's 50 percent you finding the philosopher's stone oh you found it yeah a relationship should be 50 50 she hunts for the philosopher's stone and plans a wild goose chase into the catacombs of paris with an entire amateur excavation crew and he translates the aramaic and swoons whenever she puts together the pieces of an ancient puzzle but i can't take all the credit because i think my introduction to this movie was on letterboxd the at is like brad pacino brat pacino something yes oh my gosh my wacky take on this found footage horror is that it works better as a slow burn romance good night it's 2 42 p.m and i was like i have to watch it and i hate ghosts and demons and that is not my shit i don't you know i don't do that but i watched it just for this and also their edit of uh george it was like a fan cam of george to oh what is the song you know what i'm talking about I do know the fan cam you're talking about because you've definitely oh, okay. sent it to me before. It's been deleted, but I was like, uh, he's a pathetic man. I'm in love. So that's how I came into this uh, as a romance movie. And it is. It's one of the ro- romantic movies I've seen in a very long time. They're so pathetic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I want to give Maggie some time to talk as well about like her initial reaction to the movie, but um. I remember bringing this movie up in our very first episode and like I talked about you know as above so below is like an example of a secret rom-com um and if you don't know like what that is or like you're not sure how we're defining that um it's basically a film intentionally made outside of the rom-com genre that contains enough of these like arguable tropes and elements of a rom-com to be like kind of not recognized as one but like thought of as one and so like this is intentionally like a prescriptive reading of the movie. Like it's definitely not a rom-com and I don't think anyone would like say on the surface it is, but there are some aspects of this movie. And then like, obviously the relationship between Scarlett and George that feel like reminiscent 
of a rom-com. But before we get into all of that, I am curious, Maggie, what were your initial thoughts? Because we'd seen this movie before, but it was your first time watching it. Okay, one, I just got distracted on Letterboxd because I did realize that Ben Feldman, who plays George, is the dude from Superstore. I spent the entire fucking movie wondering who he, like, why I recognized him. He's Mr. Superstore. Yeah, I I was kind of fascinated by the concept of this. Like, I grew up with Indiana Jones. I love archaeology shit. So, like, the concept was really fun. I did text Rebecca afterwards. I did not think through the fact that I am fairly claustrophobic. So the concept of crawling around in caves in these tiny little holes did make me pretty anxious. Like the ghosts and the demons and the shit in the third act barely bothered me. What bothered me was oh, yeah. every time they crawled into a really small hole. And I was horrified. the fact that they horrified. actually filmed in the catacombs and built that bone thing to crawl through is insane. Did they? Like, I, yes. Yes. Oh, that but makes my anxiety so much is, worse. They talk about, they built like this three foot stack of bones for that scene where they're crawling through like the really short tunnel. I would not. <laughs> I would quit the movie. I'd walk out of the shoot and be like, sorry, I'm done. Apparently Ben Feldman kept on taking breaks because he's got such like horrific claustrophobia and you know what I believe it and I was telling so my friend Emma um texted me in the middle of me watch re-watching this last night and I told them I was like you need to watch this movie you love horror movies you're trying to get to 31 for this month watch it and so she was like okay cool I'll do it and then texted me afterwards like what the fuck was that and like <laughs> And I did like let her know. I'm like, this movie is not scary as much as it makes you like really nauseous. Like it's I don't so have unsettling. like, yeah, like I don't have bad claustrophobia, but the the camera movement, it's like fucking Blair Witch, which is another found footage movie, and it makes me like nauseous. Like yeah, so yeah, I will say, I'm so sorry. Not, <laughs> I am not the biggest found footage person. I think this does like works with that well I don't think I would have like I probably would have preferred it to be a straight narrative because like watching it kind of makes me cautious also when you get to the third act and shit starts to go sideways it was kind of hard to follow what was going on partially because I was watching it in broad daylight so like there was reflections on my tv and everything's fucking dark in the third act of that movie yeah everything's moving so fast and you can't see anything and you're just like I'm like, I'm probably less scared than I should be. So she goes back to the- the She speed runs. She also makes it to the tomb in like 10 seconds flat, despite having to crawl. Like she like is cutting her hands up and she's barefoot and she's covered in blood. And like- Her dogs are out. Can I just say, this has nothing to do with this part. When she's running through and she punches the ghost in the face and I was like- She she was so real for that. No, her man was bleeding out. She she just like one punched the ghost out of the cavern. Um, I will say on the found footage thing, I don't really like found footage either. But it's funny how out of the way or how obvious it is that they are miking or cameraing specific people so they can record George and Scarlet the entire time. Because you get to the finale, and the only reason Zed survives this movie is someone had to record the rest of them getting out. Otherwise, he would have died. He's not. Yeah. He, he doesn't do anything in the third act. He just goes, no, they leave him. They run off without him. I forgot he existed till the third act. Yeah. Of the movie. I, I didn't like his name again just to make sure it was Zed because I was like, just one of them survives to be the cameraman for them. Yeah. And I think like that gets us like back into like thinking about like, okay, so then what is the real stakes of this movie? This movie is about them, I think, at the end of the day. 
And like, I think it's um like, cause how am I trying to say this? That scene where she gives him like the kiss of life, where she's become the philosopher's stone, which spoilers, sorry. Um, Can we even explain whatever. This whoever this is watching this. So if you're listening, good luck. Listen, yeah. we do this podcast on vibes alone. People can watch yeah. the movie before they listen to this if they want to. Yeah. Um, she becomes the philosopher's stone in like a very plotty turn of events and she revives him like because he's basically like knocked unconscious or whatever and like like you said zed is only there so that we can actually like see that happening and see that kiss and everything and i don't know i think that like the movie doesn't exist without them as like a couple i think you could not have just made this with her like alone and then it would have been like i don't know it would have not had the same heart i i hate to say that this movie has heart but it does have heart and i think it's found in scarlet and george i can't explain it well because i like i was watching a video essay before this about it and you know when she's talking about the rules of alchemy and how there's the sun and the moon and like all of that mm-hmm. they're supposed to be the sun and the moon and it's paralleling all of that so that is, and there's all these things in the beginning when like they're trying to go into the catacombs and george keeps being like i'm not gonna do it and like the graffiti on the wall is i think the the sun being protected by the moon or something so it's like her protecting him but then you know doesn't go well for him but so it's it's metaphorical and that gets me anything with some some double meaning <laughs> always fucks me up a little bit but also it's my favorite trope it's the Mulder and scully like the skeptic and believers trope uh mm-hmm. and i love that because the whole time he doesn't believe any of this but he goes because he <laughs> refuses to let her be alone which i think is great um, he literally only ends up in the catacombs because he refuses to not like walk her home basically and take her there himself uh, and then he almost dies and if he he literally goes through hell for her which is funny because you know if he wanted to be what ladies that's all I gotta say trauma bonding <laughs> yeah, yeah no it is definitely bonding. a trauma bond. <laughs> um I okay so I've identified a few of their tropes I think like it's pretty like I think it's pretty safe to say that on this podcast I'm a really big fan of second chance romances and I think George and Scarlett right off the bat they are a second chance um and it's so much fun they, they don't explain what happens they just keep alluding to I know <laughs> I know I was like okay so they had this week in Turkey and he keeps on talking shit about this week in Turkey and about how she ditched him in this prison and she's like no it was more like a jail and he's all really like no it, it was still it was still in Turkey it was still in a foreign country and then at the end of the movie after they've gone through hell and back literally um He's all like that weekend, like for what it's worth, that week in Turkey was the greatest week of my life. And I was like, okay. Uh, the way he's so desperate, like he gets on her level because she's freaking the fuck out and she isn't paying attention. And then she like kind of comes back into it. It's like mine too. Like I wouldn't be paying attention. I'd probably be dead at that point, but they're so cute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's all I can think about. They, they truly they they put me through hell like literally metaphorically i i actually really like them as a couple like um and i want to direct this at maggie because you obviously like watch a lot more horror movies than i do and so do you allison but um can you name me a a horror movie where the couple survives at the end happy happy i mean considering i watch a large number of like slashers where you know the prevalent trope is final girl Nothing is coming to mind unless you count Candyman. <laughs> Happy Death Day. 
happy death happy day. Death day. Yeah. yeah. Happy death day. But yeah, I, I mean, don't they both die at the end? I mean, I mean, together, yeah, it's debatable whether that's a happy ending. Okay, but like, so yeah, together, but they're dead. Yeah, and that's her husband, basically. That's her husband. Her bee husband. Her husband. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There's so oh, many. I'm so glad I probably break that I up. I can't remember. Freaky technically counts. I'm just gonna yeah. list off Blumhouse movies. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Blumhouse oh, movies are good. The Warrens. How could I forget? Like, oh, The Conjuring. Yeah, yeah. Movies I have not seen. Um, they are freaky. Well, I'm, I'm obsessed listen, with them. They're freaky I, as hell. Patrick Wilson is hot, and so is Vera Farmiga. So, like, yeah, I get it. That's. All- <laughs> I think we need to start off a spin-off podcast that's just horror rom-coms or horror romance because I've got a list we can go they're all depressing so it can't be funny <laughs> I mean when yeah. Rebecca was talking about like her dad having to buy tickets for her to go see as above so below my mom had to do the same thing for my best friend and I in high school for Crimson Peak which I think <laughs> is like the biggest like gothic romance I can think of other than like Bram Stoker's Dracula which I yeah. objectively do not like because Francis Ford Coppola makes me look at a really ugly Gary Oldman for two and a half hours. <laughs> I have but standards. He gives you a really hot Tom Hiddleston for two hours. It does. See, so. and that's the power of GDT. And you know what? <laughs> I'm going to say it. Guillermo del Toro is going to make Frankenstein the saddest rom-com I've ever seen. And that's that's on him. That's going to be sexy again. as he should be. The monster's never sexy in movies. And that's the no. whole thing in the book. <laughs> We can't We're start this can of worms right now, Maggie. We cannot. No, I've I've been there's like I've been keeping my feelings about it like really really tight. Like you can't see it, but I'm like making a fist. Like I've been keeping them so close to my chest. Like if I wanted to say everything about that movie, I'd get fired from my job. Like all of them. Like all of them. <laughs> yeah. But, but when um, it comes out, we're gonna expect the full podcast experience. Oh yes, I'll do like a special episode. I'll do a special episode. Um, But yeah, so I asked that question about the um, like the horror movies, like and like if the couple survived because like I just looked at kind of like the ones that I've seen in the last like year or whatever, like on Letterboxd, and so few of them like let the couple end up together because most of them are slashers. Um, And like in Scream, Nightmare on Elm Street, The Fly, Videodrome, Crimson Peak, Nosferatu, It. Like these couples and romances are kind of seen as like something destructive um, and or the thing that's like getting them killed um, and they don't get to flourish. Uh, I think like it's pretty safe to say that Ed and Lorraine Warren are like the best couple in all of like horror, but they've already been together for years and everything. So I don't know. We're not going to call The Conjuring a rom-com on this podcast, but um <laughs> I think it's really fascinating that George and Scarlett's character, not character dynamic, like relationship dynamic is actually what helps them survive the movie as opposed to be something that prevents them from surviving because they're like, so like, you know, fixated on like, well, I have to keep them safe and blah, blah, blah. No, like keeping the other person safe is what helps them survive. And I think that that's very rom-com coded if you think of like a com like a Shakespearean comedy is like everything is resolved in the end and like bad things can still happen on the course to getting there but things are resolved and the couple is together at the end and things are quote-unquote happy but I would like to get a read on this to the point where when they're in like the finale like the very end and they're gonna jump into the pit he refuses to do it because he's scared and she's like well I'm not gonna jump if you don't so we can stand here forever and then Zed's in the corner like hang on we gotta somebody's gonna jump with me but he only does it for her 
and she wouldn't do it without him. So they literally wouldn't have survived even if they made it to that point without deciding to take that leap together, which is so dramatic. <laughs> yeah, it's, I honestly, the the very first scene those two have together, I read this and that was the only scene where I was like, oh yeah, this is a romance because she finds him in the bell tower of some church yeah. in Paris. Fuck knows, all the buildings in Paris look the same. But he's fixing this old bell tower and the way that they play it, I've seen that kind of scene like in a billion different adventure movies. It's in Indiana Jones, it's in Lara Croft, it's in everything, but it is so flirty, even despite the fact that he is so insistent that he's like, I'm not going to help you. And then he's like, fine, I'll just translate the Aramaic. And it's kind of this tumble like tower of babel of like okay well i'm only gonna do this next one thing and it's like no you're not buddy you're gonna you're gonna literally go through go to hell and back for this woman because you cannot (laughs) say no to her which like as we know every good rom-com hero that's exactly how they are they can't say no but if you watch them because that's what i did i kept going back and watching scenes scarlet is very focused on whatever she's doing and she's just happy to be in the space with them again you know that she's keeping tabs on him because she knows exactly which bell tower in paris he broke into but he literally just follows her. Like, no matter where she goes, he's like, you, there's different scenes where he forgets that, um, what's his name, Benji? No, I don't yeah, know. the camera guy. He forgets that Benji is there and he's just staring at her and then he's like, oh, and then he makes a joke to the camera so it's not weird. But like, if Benji wasn't there, they would have made out the first scene that they were together again, <laughs> for sure. Um, and he also, and this is one thing I always love, is that they stand so close to each other all the time. Like, they can't talk without being right next to each other for some reason. And it doesn't matter who's in the scene or, like, what the context is or if they're mad at each other. Like, they have to be right in front of Within each other. Within kissing distance. Yeah. Like, they're not going to do it. And even, they uh, they have all of this chemistry and it's, like, the lamest kiss in the world. Like, the worst one in rom-com history. <laughs> but Well, it's a horror movie, so... I know. Listen, there have been sexy kisses in horror movies. That is true. That is true. I forgot what the point of that was, but um, what we started from there. But their their meeting scene, it's like it's giving Benedict and Beatrice kind of a run for their money, and it reminds me so much of that like reunion scene at the beginning of Much Ado About Nothing, where they're like talking about like, oh, you did me wrong in the past, and like, why are you talking? No one's listening. Like literally. It's just kind of like word for word them. Like Benedict, they are so Benedict and Beatrice coded. And I think that's another reason why I'm like, oh yeah, this is totally like could possibly be a rom-com or their relationship does take more rom-com elements than, you know, other like horror movie couples. Just because like, like we've said before, the only good rom-com man is like a pathetic one that would follow you to the end of the earth. And (laughs) he does it. He does it. They have the banter. They have the chemistry. They just have a really shitty kiss scene, but I can overlook that because um, I am very pleased to announce that they do get the pass. So they do, like without Ooh, yeah. him, they get the pass, <laughs> which is easy when you know there's no other romance or anything involved. It's literally them trying to survive the fucking pits of hell. But like, and there's no miscommunications because he, even when he's like, "I'm not going down there," she keeps telling everyone, "Yeah, he's going." We know he's going, so like, yeah, he's not fooling anybody. So he doesn't really lie to her. Yeah, um, he's just like trying to delay the inevitable, basically. And I think that's, I think that's a funnier trope than just like the chronic lying that you see some people go through in these rom coms. I do like the scene where he slips into the puddle of water or something, and he's like, "Wow, wish I should have worn boots, I guess." And Papillon's like, "Well, I offered them to you, so you can shut up." Like, 
And that's another thing. is third wheeling this entire movie. Oh Oh, my God. Hardcore. The, the ensemble dynamic is really fun too. Cause they all know what's going on. They don't question it and they don't really care. They're just like, whatever. Um, but they, they're the comedy aspect of this because it's just George and Scarlett fighting because they're mad that they didn't kiss in Turkey when they were together. Uh, and now they're dealing with those problems at the wrong time. But In the wrong place. The worst place, <laughs> the arguably. Worst place you can go. Um, okay. Is it not a rom-com if they aren't arguing in the worst possible venue imaginable? No. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> Maggie, are you a Rogue One fan? I don't remember. I it's been a minute since I've seen it, but yes. Okay. So I was texting Rebecca while I was watching this and I was like, she's kind of giving Jin Urso, and then it made me go down the rabbit hole of this should be a like Jin Cassian AU where <laughs> they meet after something goes horribly wrong and all she cares about is she's very one track minded. And he's really mad, but he has to do it anyways. And I was like, this is literally Rogue One if it wasn't a Star Wars movie. That's, what, I, that's what we should have gotten instead of Andor, because Andor bored the pants off of me. <laughs> anyways, any Rogue One as above, so below fans out there, please write this for me. It's a very specific <laughs> Venn diagram. <laughs> it is, and it's like me and Rebecca, and that's it in in the circle but um, it's just the two of us we are a two-person fandom it's like that one meme of the like um the character i like character my friend likes and it's like you like the two of like the stick figures like sitting with like open eyes like looking feral and holding these like dolls out to each other um that's (laughs) allison and i in the rogue one as above so below crossover fandom how many fics did you say George and Scarlett have on AO3 that you mentioned. Okay, it's now about. 14. Insane. There's 14, but I looked it up right before the podcast because I had like 20 minutes before we were recording. <laughs> I'm shocked there's any to get at all, but you know what? AO3 no, is so bad, Maggie, that back when I watched this for the first time like three years ago, I went to fanfiction.net to look Oh, God. <laughs> oh, you know it's bad. serious. Um, they probably have some fix on Wattpad. Wattpad was bigger back in 2014, so they do have YouTube edits because <laughs> I was trying to remember certain scenes to go back to, and I just had to end up pulling up the movie anyways, um, because it's every scene they're in. Because that's the thing I like about them as a couple is it's not like there's certain moments where it's like, wow, this is kind of romantic. Like anytime they're in a scene together or around each other, which is the entire movie because they're trapped <laughs> in the cave. Um you can tell they're either thinking about each other, thinking about what the other person is thinking, or they're like two two inches away from each other because they have to stand that close. Um, and I think my personal favorite part is when they're solving the puzzles together in the tomb because it's like they're one person. Like there's not, they're not separate. Like every single thing they're doing, it's like the brain cells bouncing back and forth between <laughs> them. And everyone else is like, can you tell us what's going on? Because like, we don't know what's happening. We don't know why mm-hmm. we're down here. They just followed them in there for some treasure, which is stupid on their part. But, uh, you know, I love when they're solving puzzles. Also, it's it's like when they're in the bell tower scene in the beginning um, and he's in the middle of arguing with them and the bells start going off and she gets super excited for him and he forgot that he fixed the bell tower because he was so busy arguing with her. And he's like, wait, yeah, we got to go. I fixed it. We got to go look at it. And then that's the moment he decides to help her is because he they're like having their moment together and then he looks at her and he's like okay fine I'll translate but that's it and then he's having so much fun translating he has to go meet the people go to hell the club and yeah she said 
<laughs> he left her or she left him in Turkey and he's like, go to hell. And she's like, you're coming with. I am curious, Maggie. What was your favorite scene? Was it that bell tower scene? I, okay. From a, like, reading this as a romance standpoint, yes. But yeah. I think my favorite bits were all of the, um, I think, no, that's a lie. That's a big fucking lie. Um, I was trying, I was like going through, I was like, okay, what bits in the movie did I like? No, the bit when they're in the museum and they take Flamel's tombstone off of the, the museum <laughs> yes. display. I, listen, I'm a massive, like, linguistics kind of, uh, symbology nerd. So all of that was fascinating to me, but I think the, like, back and forth between the two of them, where he's just having a massive anxiety attack about getting caught fucking with museum artifacts is so cute. And I think it's, it does the same kind of back and forth thing that they do in the bell tower, but with more of the kind of plot significance of the movie. Cause the rest mm-hmm. of the bits that I liked were all of the bits with the philosopher's stone, specifically uh, them sort of when they figure out where the, the false stone is in that carving at the, yeah, at the, the end. I'm, I'm, I'm a, ma- I was, I wanted to be an archeologist when I was a kid. So all of that is really fascinating to me, but yeah, I think my favorite scene is when they take Flamel's tombstone off the wall in the, in the museum. I think the best, you know, you saying that right now, Huh? you're so scarlet coated maggie it's so funny like i was this close to an archaeology degree in college and then i became a journalist for fuck's sake don't know how that happened but you're gonna fix this because you're going to meet ben feldman and you're gonna take him to hell <laughs> <laughs> listen i the fact that you say that and there is a non-zero chance of me meeting that man at some point in my career considering what i do listen <laughs> That's why you became a journalist. Because if you became an archaeologist, you would have never fucking met Ben Feldman, babe. Like that's that's the reason. I this, do run that's this my podcast. Yes, exactly. I do run this podcast like my classroom. So I do have another question for you guys. Um, we were talking about like miscommunication earlier, <laughs> and I was thinking, um, and because like I went back and listened to our first episode, and Maggie said a lot about how like the movies with good communication tend to get the pass. And this movie does get the pass. So I would like to think about like, what is it about a horror movie um, that makes those like lines of communication that are so necessary to develop a relationship open up? So like, what is the horror aspect of this movie doing for the the rom-com aspect of it? I mean, I feel like with most horror movies, and again, I'm going back to slasher as kind of an archetype because I feel like a lot of people understand the kind of base concept of that. If you don't communicate, you fucking die. Like that is the essential kind of concept of any, when it's a group of people involved in a slasher situation and being trapped in hell, whatever the conceit is, if you don't communicate effectively, you die. You know, whether that's don't leave the cabin, there's a murderer outside, whether that's, you know, don't go down the random fucking passage that people are saying is a bad idea you're gonna die like so i feel like communication in order to survive a horror movie is essential because and that's so often why that's why final girls are are such a strong trope because nobody communicates and therefore the only there's one person left because they're the only person with sense in their head um and i think in this movie specifically it's interesting because george and scarlet communicate the entire time and they make it out but they don't communicate to anyone else in the group what's going on or why they're down there. <laughs> literally and that is why every other person in their dot like it's not like their sins are worse than someone else's and they don't tell you like benji's sin or like what's haunting some of them as like they do with papillon but 
they would have all had a better chance of surviving if it wasn't just like the George and Scarlet show and they ran off and they're like, oh, well, Zed's here, so it's fine. But everyone else dies because they went down there looking for treasure, so they rip open the treasure tomb and then that's mm-hmm. crap. And, you know, so I think the miscommunication isn't between them, so it gets the pass for that, but it is between everyone else in the group. <laughs> uh, but luckily, that's not part of the rules. <laughs> exactly. And they're clearly very... Like, I think, like, what you said just now about, like, um, the fact that they communicate with each other, but with nobody else, I think, I think that that's very, very telling, because I think another one of the big things in rom-coms is, like, that main couple, even if they're communicating with each other, they're very reluctant to communicate with other people, because they're worried about, you know, the relationship getting out, or they're worried about, like, their feelings being overblown, and or being made a huge deal out of everything, and so I think that that's, I, I just think it's really, really interesting how, like, the survival aspect of a horror movie is like really bringing out all of this like need to communicate which is what I see a lack of in like rom-coms like this like ability to communicate with each other I don't know I I really I really do like how open and honest they are with each other and the fact that the whole conceit of the movie is like you cannot get out if you do not own up to your sins and your traumas and your hang-ups I think that that's also like I don't know. Can a horror movie get the pass, like a like sub, like in a sub pass way? Um, I also, I, I definitely texted Rebecca about this because I think this is one of those moments I blacked out. But the entire time, I think George is one of the first people to start getting haunted in the catacombs. If it's not Scar, I want to keep calling her Rose. I don't know why I keep calling her Rose in my head. Um, if it's not Scarlet, but. His whole thing, he, even from the beginning, he's like, I don't go underground, I don't do water, I don't do all this stuff, but the second she goes, like, she's literally underwater for 10 seconds and doesn't respond, and he doesn't hesitate to, like, dive into this pit, into the dark, like, caves to go save her, and then he gets out, and instead of being worried or, like, freaked out, like, I just faced my biggest fear, he immediately is like, hey, what's up? What did you find? Which is kind of insane, like, literally mentally insane that he did that, but... (laughs) everyone else is just collateral damage like they're there for the plot it's the george and scarlet show like you said (laughs) it really is which is kind of unfortunate because i think as a horror movie it would have benefited from focusing on the other characters more because i do not know why benji died genuinely could not tell you he sees the woman in white outside the club when they um are looking for papillon and then he gets jump scared by her and falls down a well but they never mentioned that they never explain that. Or like Sooks guys for fun. I don't know. I, I'll give As Above So Below this. It's like one of the only horror movies where the black character doesn't die first. That's very true. I've read an entire literally there is a book called The Black Eye Dies First on my oh, shelf about that so exact good. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah, you're you're very right. That did not occur to me until just now. But like honestly, I, I wasn't reading too much into that. Like with horror movies, I'm just like, oh, the entity is pissed so it and that's the closest person it has at hand like that's the way that I read it but now that you mentioned that with the with the water and everything I'm like hmm but I think this is one of the few cases where this movie being 90 minutes doesn't really do it any favors like it could have I think you could have stretched this out to about two hours yeah which normally on this show we're like yes 90 minute rom-com fantastic but I think the fact that it's a horror movie like grants the fact that it should have a bit more meat on its bones because really like the the kind of similarity between horror movies and romance movies is that you're basically just putting your little guys in situations horror movies just happen to be worse situations and therefore 
you know, merit more screen time, but it is, it's just, you put, you put these guys in situations and they come out a couple. That's exactly how it works. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, think I, mean, I think they're very similar because horror movies is yeah. kind of the same thing, but they come up enemies. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like there's, there's like horror movie rules. And then like, we've talked on this podcast before about like, what are the rom-com rules? Like there are such identifiable tropes in horror movies and rom-coms specifically that that's why I'm like, it feels almost natural that the two can go together. Not necessarily should, but I think it's possible for them to go together in a way that makes sense because both of them want rules so bad. And I think the fans of these movies want rules so bad um, so that they can watch something that's very like different from like watching just like a traditional like romance drama or like a thriller perhaps. But and I, think I remember, yeah. Of the rules is when they subvert them or break them, which mm-hmm. is kind of why I think I like, not that this is comedic, but I like this as a romance because none of the rules of horror or romance would you would expect any of this shit to happen in. So it makes it kind of more fun to figure out what the plan was. I personally, it feels like the writer wanted to make a romance movie so bad and whoever approved it was like, no, it's got to be horror. So they just threw it in and we're like, okay, fine. Paris, Bones, there you go. Bones. It's like, <laughs> I think to echo. Yeah, I mean, like, I think to echo what Maggie said earlier, like it's giving like, National Treasure and Indiana Jones. And those are like, you know, movies with like, you know, really identifiable romance tropes in them too. Like not necessarily rom-coms, but like there's enough romance that that this could have easily just been like a supernatural action adventure movie and not necessarily a horror movie. Yeah. I think, you know, adventure romance is definitely like a a whole subgenre. I mean, that's part of the the entirety of Romancing the Stone, yeah, that's exactly or Romancing what the I was Stone, yeah. About. I said that way yeah. too confidently. Like that's that's you know a movie entirely about that trope, and I think this is kind of just slightly to the left, like it's slightly farther down the the bell curve, but it's the same sort of thing, I would argue. But yeah, I do. Um, I think we will be wrapping up soon, but I always make sure we have like a silly question on here. Which iconic rom com couple would absolutely find themselves in this situation, and would they survive? Listen, and because I have my answer. You had this planned. I did. Say- it's it's one of my questions on no, here. No, no, no. This I'm trying to remember their names. The people from Set It Out for sure. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> I love I them to death. I don't think they would survive. I think they would end <laughs> up in this situation. <laughs> That's very true. I was gonna say survive, absolutely the fuck not, because one of them's no. a business major. Um yeah. I think maybe Harper would survive on her own. I think she'd sacrifice him, but I think she would bring him to hell <laughs> together. Oh my god. I um, can't oh I'm I'll come up with a better answer when you guys are done, but <laughs> Oh God. See, my brain also went to set it up, but I'm trying- yeah. Oh, I had another one in my head and it's just gone. What was your answer, Rebecca, while I think about this? <laughs> so my answer is, okay, I want to give two answers because one, um, Alex and Sophie from Music and Lyrics would never find themselves in this situation. <laughs> was the question that they would or wouldn't? Because I just immediately thought- set Would it up they and- survive? Huh? would they survive oh, so okay. that that's open-ended um but I do want to say I want to like bring in Scott and Hope here um based on what I saw in Quantumania absolutely yes these bitches would find themselves in the same exact situation and unfortunately I do not think that they would survive <laughs> like just because they were way too willing to die for each other in Quantumania and I'm like 
and there was like so much miscommunication in that like final act scene they would not survive as above so below they would stay in hell like they almost stayed in the quantum realm one of them would have gotten bitten by that gargoyle thing and the other one would have just cried (laughs) so they (laughs) died exactly exactly so that's my real answer no you know what that is my answer rogue one I think it's not a rom-com. <laughs> Jin and Cassian would, would do this for each other. And I don't doubt that. And I think they'd make it out. Um, they'd actually survive this time? Yeah, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> they have K2SO in the end and they all like hold hands and jump into the pit together. <laughs> there you go. See, my, but, um, the, the only thing I can think of is, because I keep saying Indiana Jones, I just keep imagining if this were an Indiana Jones movie. I do think that he and, what is it, Marion? would get out Marian, together yeah i think yeah. that would be a better i think that would have been a better movie than dial of destiny <laughs> oh yeah for sure <laughs> i think the reason i can't think of a lot is just because like you said there's so much hesitation in romance or like rom-coms that i can't immediately think of anyone that would be willing to go to this length for a partner yeah <laughs> like, you have a hard enough time telling them they like them or like they could sort of be like i'm in love with you and they'll be like ooh. But does he like me? Like, I don't think they'd go to hell together and almost die. Like, it wouldn't happen in most rom-com situations. They'd all die. Yeah, uh, I feel like I'd have to live with the characters a lot longer to know if they yeah. would go to hell and back for each other. Like, I feel like I get a better sense of that in, like, dramas than, like, yeah. than comedies. Like, I keep thinking, my brain kept going to Shakespeare characters. I'm like, that's I feel like there's a Shakespeare play in there in that question somewhere but the, mid- the Midsummer Night's Dream characters would absolutely find themselves in this situation because they did <laughs> yes. and they would all survive actually they would all survive this yes. is okay plot twist um as above so below is just a Midsummer Night's Dream AU this is just that, that horror movie concept you pitched when we did the Shakespeare episode I want it oh my god didn't I say I wanted it to be like Cabin in the Woods or Evil yes. Dead oh my god you've just you've come full circle i'm so real for that you see you guys i was right all along (laughs) i have a question too because i keep i keep forgetting everything with it and it can be a joke answer i don't really care but at the end of this movie what do you think what happens after this like how do you like the reason it ends with them hugging and then it cuts to the really unsettling footage of her being like i'm just here looking for the truth how do you come back from that they're alone and everyone they just knew died in front of them and it's their fault so like did they just go get a hotel and they just like sit there and cry or like what oh what I thought that was... so I have a joke answer and a real answer one I think they go I think they have sex after that oh, yeah sure. trauma bonded so hard thought. I genuinely I think, think they there's go a letterbox log that says exactly that <laughs> <laughs> I believe it um but that's the first thing they do I think in the long term I think they do stay together I think they become like kind of like um like an archaeology power couple um you know I think that that's what happens to them like I said exactly um so that's what I think happens so there is a joke answer they go have sex but the real answer is like they probably end up together and they do this for the rest of their lives kind of like the Warrens probably I would assume Maggie what do you think I, I think I would say the same thing. Honestly, the first thing that pops into my head because the that last shot you see is Zed walking away from them. I don't think he survives very long. Like I don't I think there is mm-hmm. some self-inflicted stuff that's going to happen after this movie. That's the only thing I could think of. The, the other thing I'm just like, I would just 
lay on the ground. Like I, I would get up, I would hug, and then just lay on the ground, and you, you could not move me. That would the be second my that response. adrenaline crashes. Scarlet is like dead on the floor with her bare, stinky, gross feet. Like yes, that's what I hate about that scene. Is like George is fully dressed. He's still got his watch on. He's not even really that dirty, but she's got like mud, bloody, caked feet. Like she looks, she looks like she's been through hell. He looks like he fell down a hill. <laughs> but uh. No, I just, it's like you can't, they have to stay together because you can't date anyone else after this because no one else will understand the shit you just went through. Like I said, trauma bonded. Yeah, they keep having nightmares and you keep saying this person's name and it's like, you wouldn't get it. You really? Literally. Also, like, if they ever tried to break up, you know that she, that he, not, not Scarlett would not pull this, but George would. George would hit her with the, I went to hell for you. (laughs) No, I think, okay. Now we're going to start psychoanalyzing them for real. I think Scarlett would for sure act like it's not as big of a deal as it is. Like when he's freaking out about going to jail and she's like, George, come on. It wasn't, it was just, it wasn't a prison. It was a jail. You know, like she'd be like, it's not that bad. It was just hell. And then eventually that's going to, and that's when they go to a hotel, Rebecca. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> they, they have the fight. Yeah. Me too. Because I think immediately that's a little crazy. Like I would probably sleep for a week after. I mean, not that it wouldn't be me i would die i think they would just dissociate off the face of the planet for a couple days oh yeah for real listen also we don't know how long they're in there for they could have been in there for weeks and we wouldn't know 20 minutes could have been three weeks um no one cares no one cares that they're gone so like whatever her dad's dead so it's there's literally no one that's supposed to be is this stuff. daddy issue cinema is as above so below daddy issue cinema this i is mean given the given the like bit where she sees her deceased father and apologizes to him i would say yes this is daddy issue cinema you know what now i do think that she was the first one to get haunted because there's that creepy phone that's ringing for no reason oh, and, she's like, yeah, yeah. and she's like hello and her thing is about the phone call she didn't pick up the phone when her dad was gonna yeah. kill himself yeah um which i do think it's funny in the end there's a lot of things like it's fun watching themselves puzzles but they get the answers way too quickly it's like genius brain like jimmy neutron moment where they just know somehow but she like walks she puts the stone back and immediately is like oh we just have to repent for our sins and she just is like hey dead dad sorry i didn't pick up the phone i gotta go like and then it's over she's not being haunted and that's why i think zed wouldn't survive long afterwards because like he he admits to having a child he refuses to claim he's still not claiming that kid he just admitted that that's the reason he's getting haunted like he was like anyway yeah. so i don't know but uh what well, yeah, time to be alive. the baby crying right yes or benji does yes Can we, what was up with those naked women singing in the tunnel <laughs> like is that a hallucination or were they just hanging out Dog. Vibes. I don't know. The fuck if I know. They were vibing. That was girls' night. That was girls' <laughs> night. How dare we question the sanctity of girls' women night? Have hobbies, you know. <laughs> God forbid. I know. But yeah, is there? Um, we could go on and on and on about this movie. And like Allison said, there would be a three-hour version of this podcast if we just wanted to talk about how much we liked it. Are there any like kind of last things that people want to say before we head out? <laughs> Do we think? can't stop laughing at this do we think that papillon and latope were together before this happened i for sure <laughs> they were a thing i, I uh, am and maybe uh, there is maybe they were in like a, a throuple and they didn't go check on <laughs> i think um personally like as someone on this podcast who's like 
whenever a rom-com doesn't get the pass I make it gay and then somehow it gets the pass magic um <laughs> so as someone who does that I want to believe my first instinct is to say yes Papiana the taupe and Susie were absolutely in a throuple situation it's just the way they talk about each other is more suspicious than just my friend like yeah Zed's just there but the rest of them are like oh let's hope is he went missing and you know also so mysterious so crazy and she still walked up and grabbed him like that she died because she was stupid but they were dating <laughs> i wouldn't be grabbing this scary guy his whole eye was blacked out and she still was like what's wrong Mm-mm. nope but Fuck that. you know <laughs> anyone else but yeah <laughs> i um maggie unless you have anything to say i do want to like make like a potential like I want to make a potential ace reading of this movie because we really don't see them engage in like physical intimacy beyond like their hug and then like obviously that kiss of life that she gives him to revive him once she becomes the philosopher's stone on her part, and like a lot of like casual grabbing him but it's not yeah it's like grabbing his shoulder like just touching him yeah there. it's not which I like I think yeah I think ace reading it's not I don't want to, I don't want to necessarily say that either of them are ace because I don't I I mean I can say that they are for fun but like whatever but like I think us? like to see like it's kind of refreshing to see a couple be able to say that they like love and care about each other without this like expectation of sex or physical intimacy and I think that like I know it seems like kind of counterintuitive but I would love to see like an ace led or like rom-com one day I think it would potentially be harder for like Arrow because obviously Arrow's in the name you know but um I think like an ace rom-com would absolutely they look like Scarlett and George 100 percent because they have this deep connection and feeling for each other but there's not the expectation for like sex or physical intimacy there is a movie called Straight Up that's kind of like that um adding to my watch list adding which that one's really complicated because it's like this guy everyone assumes is gay and he's like, well, I don't really feel like I'm gay, but he his whole issue is he's really sex averse. And then he falls mm-hmm. in love with this girl and is like, we're soulmates, but he doesn't want to have sex with her. So that's their whole, that's a whole thing. It's interesting. Um, and it is fun to see like an ace rom-com because you don't really get that. And everyone in that movie is like, oh, you're not that because that's not real, which is what we get every day. So yeah, we should watch that together. We <laughs> Trauma bond. Trying to to the to the pod watch list. Yes. Yeah. I can't promise it's good. I haven't seen it in a very long time. But <laughs> most of the movies we watch for this show are not good. I made Rebecca watch Love Bites, which is objectively oh, not a good but movie. I love hey, Love Bites. Oh my god. Oh, you've seen that, Allison, haven't I you? I did. And it was really <laughs> something else. It it I like when he turns into a frat boy. You guys just didn't understand it the way I did. As a Twilight enjoyer, I understood that I... movie on a chemical level. And Maggie thought I would have so hated it. About how much I loved that movie. Don't throw me in with Maggie saying it sucks. And I like it. I primarily, I'm, I'm a horror comedy fan, first and foremost. Like, way more than romance and everything else. I can't judge anything because do you know what I go through as a horror comedy fan? They're all bad, according to everyone <laughs> and their mom. But I love them, and I think they're perfect. They're I have cool. nothing else to add. Maggie, do you want to say anything before we go? Do you want to, like, air out any complaints that I made you watch this movie? Oh, yeah, she was I mean, so- I, I did bad. say in my letterbox log, one of my tags was, Rebecca, I'm going to kill you for calling this a rom-com, because I was in the throes of just 
getting over my claustrophobia at 3.45 in the afternoon. But no, I don't really have any complaints about this movie. I think the more I think about it, the less I like enjoy it as a horror movie, which is how I rated it on Letterboxd. But like, I enjoyed it. I'd watch it again. Yeah, oh, yeah. I did not. I don't like how unsettling it is. I rewatching it, I was mad that Rebecca made me rewatch it because I could have <laughs> not done it and been fine. But I'm a woman of my word and I had to do it. Did it for the pod. Did it for the pod. Maggie, our socials, because we haven't done them in several months. Oh, sweet God. So <laughs> I don't remember what our socials are. We are Get the Past Pod on most social media on Letterboxd, I believe we are the Past Pod. So Instagram, Twitter, right. TikTok. I think we have one video on the TikTok, but that's where you can follow us. You can find me on socials at Maggie Rachel underscore on Instagram, on Twitter or X or whatever the fuck it is now at Maggie underscore Rachel on TikTok at Maggie Rachel. And you can find me at Collider.com under Maggie Bacella. Um, if you'd like to follow me on socials, um, you can find me on Twitter at with a hero. You can find me on Instagram at King of the Chess People. And you can find me on Comic Book Resources and Blossom under Rebecca Rodillo. Oh, I'm not nearly as impressive as you guys. So if you want, you can find me at Twitter at Depths of Allison, like D-E-P-T-H-S, the depths of hell, you know. Um, <laughs> and if you want to find me anywhere else, don't, please. <laughs> Very bad. That is so real. <laughs> um but yes so um hopefully in the next couple weeks we will get our next episode up um it is going to be the 2018 film set it up directed by claire scanlon and starring zoe Do deutsch deutsch. Dutch, as deutsch as harper moore and glenn powell as charlie young so maggie anything to say that will be the lead up to covering anyone but you which is glenn powell's new rom-com coming out this Christmas time sometime in December we are going to stick to or attempt to stick to our original Top Gun Girl Summer plan which was set it up and a handful of other movies we'll see how that goes what order we do them in but for now we'll see you next time